Your word, O God, is a feast all of its own. So let your Holy Spirit open our minds to your call to listen. For we know your Holy Spirit heals and reconciles your people. Amen. The first reading from the Old Testament is from Isaiah chapter 25, verses 1 to 9. O Lord, you are my God. I will exalt you. I will praise your name, for you have done wonderful things, plans formed of old, faithful, and sure. For you have made the city a heap, the fortified city a ruin. The palace of foreigners is a city no more. It will never be rebuilt. Therefore, strong peoples will glorify you. Cities of ruthless nations will fear you. For you have been a refuge to the poor, a refuge to the needy in their distress, a shelter from the rainstorm and a shade from the heat. When the blast of the ruthless was like a winter rainstorm, the noise of foreigners like heat in a dry place, you subdued the heat with the shade of clouds. The song of the ruthless was stilled. On this mountain, the Lord of hosts will make for all peoples a feast of rich food, a feast of well-aged wines, of rich food filled with marrow, of well-aged wines strained clear. And he will destroy on this mountain the shroud that is cast over all peoples, the covering that is spread over all nations. He will swallow up death forever. Then the Lord God will wipe away the tears from all faces, and the disgrace of his people he will take away from all the earth, for the Lord has spoken. It will be said on that day, See, this is our God. We have waited for him so that he might save us. This is the Lord for whom we have waited. Let us be glad and rejoice in his salvation. Second reading from Psalm 23 is a responsive reading. The words will appear on the screens. The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. He makes me lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside still water. He restores my soul. He leads me in right paths for his name's sake. You prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. You anoint my head with oil. My cup overflows. Surely goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life, and I shall dwell in the house of the Lord my whole life long. The reading from the New Testament is Romans chapter 13, verses 11 to 14. Besides this, you know what time it is, how it is already the moment for you to wake from sleep. For salvation is nearer to us now than when we became believers. The night is far gone, the day is near. Let us then throw off the works of darkness and put on the armor of light. Let us walk decently as in the day, not in reveling and drunkenness not in illicit sex and licentiousness, not in quarreling and jealousy. Instead, put on the Lord Jesus Christ and make no provision for the flesh to gratify its desires. 
And we turn now to our gospel lesson for this morning. Taken from the gospel of Matthew. Because we've come to the end of our, our exploration of the gospel of John. From the gospel of Matthew we read uh, chapter 22 verses 1 to 14. Listen for God's word to his people. Once more, Jesus spoke to them in parables, saying, The kingdom of heaven may be compared to a king who gave a wedding banquet for his son. He sent his slaves to call those who had been invited to the wedding banquet, but they would not come. Again, he sent other slaves, saying, Tell those who have been invited, Look, I have prepared the dinner. My oxen and my fatted calves have been slaughtered, and everything is ready. Come, come to the banquet. But they made light of it and went away, one to his farm, another to his business. While the rest seized his slaves, mistreated them, and killed them. The king was enraged. He sent his troops he sent his troops, destroyed those murderers, and burned the city. Then he said to his slaves, The wedding is ready, but those who were invited were not worthy. Go, therefore, into the main streets and invite everyone you find to the wedding banquet. Those slaves went out into the streets and gathered all who they found, both good and bad so that the wedding hall was filled with guests. But when the king came in to see the guests, he noticed a man there who was not wearing a wedding robe. And he said to him, Friend, how did you get in here without a wedding robe? And he was speechless. Then the king said to the attendants, Bind him hand and foot, and throw him into the utter darkness where there will be weeping and gnashing of teeth. For many are called, but few are chosen. Friends, this is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God for his word to us. Friends in Christ, what I say to you this morning is proclaimed in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. What will you wear? Getting ready for Sunday, a friend and colleague of mine shared this story a number of years ago. If you aren't familiar with the province of Saskatchewan, what you need to know is this. Saskatchewan is much further north than we are in Ontario. And as a result, winters are dark and cold. Because of their northern latitude, the sun rises very late in the morning and it sets very early in the afternoon. And then the Sunday in question, in January, in the heart of that Saskatchewan River, my colleague and friend awoke on a Sunday morning to get ready to go to North Battleford 
from Saskatoon to fill the pulpit there because the congregation in North Battleford was with, without a minister. And not wanting to wake his wife, Bob decided he wasn't going to turn on the light. And so he dressed in the dark. It wasn't until several hours later that he sat down behind the pulpit as the ushers came forward to get to take the plates to collect the offering. And while the ushers were busy in the congregation, he cast his gaze down toward his feet and discovered that in the faint light of his bedroom, he had put on one brown shoe and one black shoe. Perhaps you've done something similar. Maybe you've, like me, you've begun to get dressed in the morning and then changed your mind about what you're going to wear. But you're halfway dressed already. And so some articles of clothing are kind of an unintentional choice, let's say. Blue socks with black pants, something like that. Hopefully, no mismatched shoes. Or maybe, maybe you've been invited to a fancy dress, and that's different altogether, isn't it? When you receive an invitation with a dress code stipulated on it, perhaps you're going to a garden party at Rideau Hall to meet the Governor General or attending a New Year's levy. And you're running about the house looking for all the little bits of your fancy dress attire. You haven't worn it for a while, and so you think, does it, does it look okay? Is everything in its proper place? This is part of this morning's gospel lesson, isn't it? A king hosting this grand wedding banquet for his son, and he has invited all of these guests. He's invited the rich and the powerful people of the kingdom to come and to sit at his table and celebrate with him. But when the day comes, no one is ready. When the day comes, none of the invited guests have put on their wedding garment so that they can attend this great feast. Some have gone away for the weekend. Another has gone out to his farm. Yet another has business matters that he has to attend to. And those who had no excuse to make up just chase the couriers with the announcement away from their doorstep. They mistreat some, kill others. If you were the king, what would you do? Everything is ready. The food is all prepared. The waiting staff are in anxious and eager anticipation of, of moving forward with this meal. Everything is there. And so the king sends the servants out a second time. Sorry, a third time with one simple command. Go. Go into the main street and invite anyone. Everyone you can find, 
Invite them to come to the feast. And Jesus notes that those slaves went out into the streets and they gathered everyone who they found. Both the good and the bad so that the wedding hall was filled with guests. At last. Problem solved. Catastrophe averted. The king's table is filled. And if you don't know the story, then if you were looking at the king's table, then you might think that everything had gone to plan, right? The table is filled. There's no doubt laughter and great joy echoing through the hall as these unexpected guests enjoy this great feast. They never imagined that they would be there. And yet here they are. Isn't it wonderful? Then the king notices one man. One who was not wearing a wedding robe. And Jesus tells us that the king said to him, Friend, how did you get in here without a wedding robe? And the man is speechless. And then the king says to the attendants, Bind him, hand and foot, throw him into the utter darkness where there will be weeping and gnashing of teeth. For many are called but few are chosen. It's a peculiar end to the story, isn't it? This would be a great parable. One that ministers would love to preach. Because it would be a great parable about the inclusiveness of God's love. If it weren't for this one man. And yet, we are given hints throughout this passage, hints that not not is all as it appears. It is a parable after all. And indeed, Jesus introduces it by saying, once there was a king, the kingdom of God, pardon me, the kingdom of heaven may be compared to a king who gave a wedding banquet For his son. This feast that Jesus speaks of. This is no regular meal. This is a story about the kingdom of God. And there are various groups within this parable. Each a little problematic maybe. There are the invited guests. Those who were probably who, who were to be there, the, the, the ones that you would expect. That's who they were. They might have, we might have envisioned them as the rich and the powerful, the people who would support the king no matter what. But in this parable that Jesus tells, it quickly becomes apparent that these are not the king's friends. no. This is a group probably meant to signify those who were part of the Jewish faith who had lost their way. While they were the people of God's covenant, they were, they were those who had wandered away from God's justice. They were like guests who had been invited to a feast, but who could not be bothered to put on their wedding robes and attend. That's the first group. 
The second group that, that may be surprising to us is the group that actually does attend the feast. The king sends out his, his servants for any and for all. The good and the bad. They're both at the table. The good, well, that makes sense. But the bad, well, that's, that's surprising, right? Who invites criminals to a great feast? Or people who are dishonest? Or people who don't live righteous and good lives? But here it is. Jesus says they're there at the table. Those who were part of the who were not part of the covenant of Abraham, those who were not, maybe the Gentile, pardon me, those who were part of the covenant and those who were not, the, what we commonly refer to in Scripture as the Gentiles. And there were probably also included here all those who we hear in the Gospels in other places, in other stories about Jesus. There would have been the tax collectors, the ritually unclean and those in need of healing. Anyone who had been cut off from the covenant of God's grace, they're there too. All are invited. Except, except this one last encounter, right? This, this problematic one. The last encounter still remains the one who had no wedding gown. As we read in Romans this morning, Paul's exhortation to the believers in Rome was to put on Christ, to wear Christ as a raiment. This image of our faith like a new garment washed white, whiter than snow in the blood of the Lamb, pervades Scripture. And here, it is applied to this man, and he is found wanting. The truth of the gospel is that we cannot encounter Jesus and remain unchanged. In Christ, we experience the love of God and plenteous redemption and are being called out of our sinfulness, out of our apathy, out of our selfishness, and into new life. Called to put on a new garment. And we cannot remain the same. Our lives are so utterly challenged and changed by an encounter with Jesus Christ that we become new people. Snow white, washed in the blood of the Lamb. For this man at the feast, well, he was like many who have heard the story of Jesus Christ. The Spirit has moved them to believe in the gospel story, but they fall short. They they cannot declare that Jesus is the Lord of their lives, that they fail to live lives worthy of their calling, filling the pew is not enough. 
One of the great blessings of the last several years of the pandemic has been the fact that we've been able to reach out to people who don't always, don't normally engage with the church. And perhaps during that time of pandemic, it, it brought people who don't normally, don't often engage with the church, it brought them into conversation with us. It opened their hearts to the gospel. And we've had such an experience. I have had such an experience here as part of the ministry of this congregation out of the, one of the blessings is that we, I've had this, been engaged in this conversation with a young woman searching for her faith. And while we've spoken and hopefully I've taught her something, she has helped me and taught me many things too. One of the most surprising things that she taught me was this. It is that while exposed to the church in her youth, she never really got a sense that it was putting on that new garment, that it would change her life if she really, really followed. She never got a sense that it mattered. She never seemed to hear the message that, that Jesus is actively seeking her out. Jesus actively seeks you out and that Jesus longs to live in a relationship with you. Jesus is not a faraway person, some historical figure from the past like Herod or Pilate or all those other people in the gospel story. No, Jesus is more than that. Jesus is the host who invites you to the feast. And having been invited to the feast, a rich meal as Isaiah portrays it in, the, in Isaiah chapter 25, a, a meal of the richest food and of good wine. And as we are invited to be part of that meal, that feast, the kingdom of God, our lives cannot help but be changed because we are welcomed there. One of the fineries of reformed theology has to do with what happens at the table at the time of communion. Communion both, separate, both unites the church universal and to some extent divides it by, by our theologies. But for us as reformed Christians, we believe nothing less that when we are invited to the table to celebrate the Lord's Supper, that it is Jesus Christ himself who invites us. The minister may speak the words, but it is not the minister's invitation. 
It is Christ who reigns in heaven and sits at table there. That rich and bounteous table that invites us to come. And while the table is in heaven, the legs extend downward and the feet touch the earth. And from time to time, should God be gracious enough to us, we will encounter that spot that small spot where heaven touches the earth and God's grace is made apparent to us all. And that is the story that we hear today. The story of a king who gave a great feast for his son. But wait. The kingdom of God will be like a story like that. Jesus has invited you to be part of the great feast of the kingdom of God. To robe yourself with righteousness and to pursue his will with every breath that you take. What will you wear? Amen. Because God has given you an invitation to the great banquet of the kingdom of God and has manifested to us grace abundant and overflowing, let your thanksgiving overflow too with joyous giving for the sake of others as we present our tithes and offerings.
Let us pray. God of compassion and generous love, we give you thanks for the riches of earth which sustain our lives and which you have created for our joy. We give you thanks for Jesus Christ, whose life, death, resurrection, and ascension renews our strength and revives our hope. We give you thanks for the Holy Spirit, who comes among us, invites us to dine with each other and with you, and keeps us in the faith. Bless these gifts for the sake of those in need and for the work of your church here and around the world. In peace, we pray our thanksgiving. Amen. Let us come now in prayer, uniting our hearts and minds in, the, in, the, uh, for, for the, in, in prayers for the world and for ourselves. Let us pray. God of all time and space, you have called people to meet you over the centuries in many different places, in many different ways. We thank you for opening up your kingdom for those who seek to place their trust in you. We give you thanks for the rich diversity of humankind, for young and old, rich and poor, people of every race and nation nationality, all invited to your banquet hall. Make us worthy of this great invitation. May we, as your faithful followers, put on Christ and show forth to all the world the wonder the justice and the joy of being called your faithful people. As we come on this day, we give you thanks for our theological colleges, for Presbyterian College in Montreal, Knox College in Toronto, and the Vancouver School of Theology, as they seek to prepare the church for a new generation. We pray for the people of Afghanistan, who are attempting to reorder their lives after this week's earthquakes. May they receive the aid they require to rebuild their lives. We pray for all the areas of the world that are in conflict today. Especially we pray for Ukraine and for the people of the Holy Land. May your justice temper human rage and revenge and usher in your reign of peace. We hold before, our, before you our own concerns, our anxieties, and our fears. May those who are feeling uncertain know your sure presence. May those who are sad and mourning know your solace. May those who are ill know your healing touch. Keep us ever faithful to our covenant promises to you and sustain us until that day when Christ will come again to calm every heart and wipe away every tear. Until then, we continue to pray in the manner that Jesus taught us, saying together, Our Father, which art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, Thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. 
Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom, the power, and the glory forever. Amen.